I want to take a minute and talk about Shop Boss. It's the ultimate solution for automotive shop management. In fact, the founder was a former shop owner himself. He was an industry guy with coding knowledge and experience who built what he wished existed for his own shop. Let's not forget about their customer service because it truly is second to none. They've invested in the people and the processes, ensuring that you receive top-notch service every step of the way. Say goodbye to the hassle of managing separate sets of books. Everything you need is built right in. ShopBoss also offers built-in DVI functionality, eliminating the need for third-party solutions. With Boss Pay, powered by 360 Payments, enjoy integrated payments with digital signature capture. And with customizable real-time reporting on the owner's dashboard, gain valuable insights into your business at a glance. See how they can simplify your auto shop at shopboss.net forward slash gearbox. Shopboss.net forward slash gearbox. That's shopboss.net forward slash gearbox. My name is Jimmy Purdy, shop owner, master tech, transmission builder, and the host of the Gearbox Podcast. Here I talk with new and seasoned shop owners as well as industry professionals about day-to-day operations within their own shops and all the failures and successes that come along the way. From what grinds your gears to having to shift gears in the automotive industry, this is the Gearbox Podcast. Cool, man. Thanks for coming back in. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Always lots to talk about. Lots to talk about. There's a lot going on in the car industry. Not uh, King of the Hammers this time, though. Huh? No, yeah, but uh, we have been breaking things. <laughs> but we we found parts quicker this time, so that's good. That's They're, good. Yeah. Nobody trying to get one over on you? No. Just Not a, recently, anyway. No, yeah, no. Uh, the, <laughs> luckily, the parts supply chain is uh, somewhat better, yeah. even in a few months. Yeah. We've actually been starting to see parts in on a somewhat regular basis yeah well i mean your whole axle debacle yeah. no one no one trying to pull a fast one on yeah you yeah no <laughs> scams i didn't have to go yeah. to the you facebook with any marketplace lately, to right? find an axle this time yeah <laughs> broke broke another rear shaft um that just snapped and then uh tore another front cv boot so fun yeah and so then tra- went to the mud and with the torn cv boot and then broke the innards of the cv axle oh perfect yeah yeah, keep it rolling, man. Yeah. Well, Tyler Henry's back back in the booth, back to the gearbox. So, well, we're just going to let this thing roll and see where it takes us. That's right. That's right. Just rolling. I mean, when we're talking about the service industry, which we talk a lot about, we beat that up a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it gets kind of negative sometimes, you know, hearing about everybody else uh, bitching about dealing with people right in the service industry yeah. but the locker a, room talk of the, some, of the automotive industry we all can relate to yeah. it you know like we all relate to it so it's nice to bring it up and hear somebody else in the same boat going through the same water yeah like people right. understand oh it's not just me in my service department and it's amazing there's a lot of people that really think they're on their own yeah isn't that amazing well i think part of it is as a a career automotive industry is is fairly rare and then you go into like the individual roles in that industry and it gets really rare like if you just look at a dealership the service side you may only like the amount of service advisors to other personnel at the dealership is like 1 to 5 one you know or so yeah. there's there's 5 6 10 salesmen for every one advisor sometimes that's uh, true so just the rarity of, oh yeah, there are a lot more advisors out there or there are a lot more managers out there or shop owners because 
in a town, you know, you only got four or five owners or something. They're in small towns around here, mm-hmm. you know, big cities, it's more numerous, but yeah, it's when you start thinking in your little islands, you, you think that, oh, I'm the only one like this, but there's tons of people out there. Tons of people. I mean, doing better, doing worse in between. Yep. It's just, we're all dealing with the same stuff. And it, and sometimes, you, I mean, even I think it's like, I got to be the only one dealing with this kind of stuff. No. But you're not, you know? I yeah. mean, just you being a mile up the road at the dealership, dealing, I mean, when you came in today talking about, man, this must be something in the water. And it's like, yeah, we're all drinking this. Yeah, it's <laughs> same all the same water, water going we've around. We've been dealing with the same stuff. Just summertime. It's yeah. Just, that's when it just gets weird. Time, people's timelines. Yeah, like the timelines. A lot of people traveling. Well, it's the vacations and coming through the area. Um, Graduation. Right? Everyone's coming through trying to look at wedding venues from out of the area. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're here on the Central Coast, people come from the valley, all over the place. I'm sure there's other states that are like that too, where you live in a town that's kind of the place to go and you have all the, you know, cities around the area and everyone's going to that central hub and they want to get married there, have their ceremony there. And so, yeah, there's a lot of traveling. That's yep. one. I, I bring that up because we dealt with that today. Mm-hmm. Some ladies came in and they were a little, um, they were a little twisted. I mean, <laughs> they were doing okay, but you, it was a, a little anxiety. Yeah, they came from Fresno, they're from the valley, and they were over mm-hmm. here. And she was trying to get all her stuff ready for her wedding, and the vehicle broke down, lost all forward gears, lost reverse. Definitely, you know, a little frazzled. Yep. It's like, well, go ahead and get yourself situated. Your Sounds vehicle, like- your vehicle's taken care of. Now you need to figure out. Well, you you don't think you'll get it done today, like. That sounds like a couple days minimum. <laughs> I hear losing gears. I'm like, okay, a couple days. Uh, you know, Base, like, best case, best in a, case. In a Nissan CVT. So it's like just to, just to really like encompass yeah. the, the situation we're dealing with right now. It's like, yeah, I mean, we'll, we might be able to take a look at it today. But even if we do, I mean, I can't just like throw a reverse I mean, back down the dipstick tube. You know, like yeah. <laughs> there's not a bottle of reverse in I can the- t- throw down there. In the history of transmissions, is the CVT the most hated? I don't know if it's the most. I mean, the DCT is, is pretty damn close. <laughs> yeah. The DCT is kind of pretty good. And then you get into like now with the 10 speeds, that's definitely, I think that'd be on the roster. But I think that's the unknown. That's just kind of ignorance a little bit. People yeah. don't know it. And so they're frustrated by it. I feel like. Um, Say with eight, nine speeds, right? Something you deal with probably on a regular basis is seeing mm-hmm. those eight, nine speeds. They probably don't like those very much, but the CVT is on an island on its own for sure. Yeah. It's a really cool design, very poorly executed <laughs> and not usually maintained. So it's like, they don't. Yeah. What, just, what do you, how, how much do you service those? When are you supposed to service those? Same as any 30 to 30 to 60,000. Yep. You know, um, on those, we always say like 30,000 because the amount of fluid you can only get like three or four quarts out. Some of them have a filter. Some of them don't. Like the um, the newer Nissans with NSH three fluid, uh, which is like the Avatar blue fluid you're supposed to use, um, that has that has a filter capsule you can pull off. It's got a little cartridge filter, but for the most part, it's just a drain and fill. And yeah, like most you get, stuff. Yeah, like a Honda, like you you know do that a little sooner, like do thirty thousand on a yeah. Honda because you're not you can't replace the filter. Just better for it, you know. Anytime you drop the pan and service the filter of course you can extend the service mileage to more like 40 or 50 you know and if you're not going to do any towing or any real highway driving for an extended period of time or you're not in severe stop and go you can probably push it to 60 but i would say at the dealership i have 
easily at least a 50% decline on transmission services. That's interesting. That's all I do. Because <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's, is that, yeah, yeah, like literally. That is like our number like, one, yeah. Hey, 60K, like uh, it's kind of time to do the transmission. Ah, oh, yeah, I'll do that later. That's interesting. All the time. You like, know. like uh, it's at least half. Well, we don't, we don't do the flushes. Mm-hmm. So we don't like doing. Yeah, we don't. We pretty much just do drain and fills and change the filter. That's yeah, yeah. the pan service. Yeah, yeah, that's the only way to do it. I mean, yeah, the flushings is going to cause problems unless you can start it from day one. But yeah, I mean, even day one, you're going to pump you know twenty quarts of fluid through at thirty thousand miles. Like that fluid's like brand freaking new. Like you don't we're, need to. We're not going to flush. We don't. Yeah, you don't need to. Mean. For one, waste all that fluid. And for two, charge the consumer that much fluid. I mean, for nothing. Like. At 30,000 miles, if everything's functioning correctly, there's really no point to do it. But then if you extend that service to, say, 60, 70, or 80, well, now you've waited too long to flush it, technically, because you, you have too much sludge. Up. Yeah. And you, and the machine doesn't pull the sludge out. It just loosens it up. You know, you, you'll get 30 or 40% out, but most of it stays in the case on the valve body, in the nooks and crannies, in the converter, on yeah. the stator. There's so many little areas that it'll settle but then it gets broken up a little bit. And then later on, when you're driving 500, 800 miles down the road, after a few hot and cold cycles, that's when it falls to the bottom of the pan. And then the filter sucks it up. And then it plugs the filter with all this sediment and crap. And then you, without fluid flow, Roast it. yeah, you, that's it. It's yeah. all. <laughs> no more line no more line pressure. Line pressure is critical to have an automatic it, transmission work. Just let it bake for 200,000 miles. <laughs> yeah, just leave it at that point. I see a lot of that. I mean, as long as you're replacing the filter and then that the filter is going to capture that stuff and then you get the filter back out you'll be fine but that's why just doing the service 30 40 000, that's the best way yeah i think as a, as a transmission shop you'd be shocked at how many people do not service their transmissions at all i mean I, yeah i mean i guess that's the reason why these rfes are failing like <laughs> left and right everything can't find the 66 rfes the 68 rfes nope all the dodge transmissions are just like almost impossible to find right now and they're I, so expensive to rebuild i'm wondering how uh like what's the next uh the next evolution of the transmission that's a good question like what what how, how many more how many more gears can you add yeah like what, what what's going <laughs> to change about about that i mean a lot of things are going electric but i mean i don't see that as a a real solution to any problem that we're yeah. having as a globe you know, uh, you know, if you're thinking about it in world terms, you you can't get people in the middle of the desert a rechargeable Tesla. Like, they they need their Toyota Helix that'll last them thirty years. Like, yeah. You, so, what what are the next evolutions? Like combustion engine, where where there's a lot of cool stuff that Porsche's doing with e fuel and making a hundred percent renewable fuel that is gasoline that a normal car can run on with no conversion. Yeah. So do we just switch to that? You know, and there's such big higher powers above us that are can make pulling the strings and right. pulling the levers. It's like, uh, it's hard. I mean, we, we've seen a lot of things like hydrogen is a good example. Mm-hmm. What, what happened with hydrogen? It's not, it's not a good choice. And it's the same as the electric right now. It takes way too much energy to make it. Yeah, that's true. You know, like well, the, to contain and distort and to refill. I mean, there's a lot behind it too, but it definitely was moving in a direction, and it and it got shot down. Yeah. Um. There's still a couple of people working on it. Oh, I mean, yeah. There's the BMW still got their hydrogen X5 that they just kind of keep teasing. Um. Who does Toyota? Toyota has a hydrogen car. That's oh yeah. Like yeah, the Mirai. Mirai. Sixty to eighty thousand dollars or something. Yeah. Something crazy. Yeah, that's not a bad option. 
It, it's the, one of the only options. <laughs> so I guess it's not a bad one. It can't I mean, be really the only one. Yeah, if you really want a hydrogen car, you got it. You're, you're not a bad choice and you're the best choice. But then like- Because you're the only choice. I, I even like looked into, there, there was one, I think that they had like a really crazy lease on and I was like, oh, is this even an option? Like, it would be cool to own one of those. You know, I'm always looking to- try new crazy tech and stuff and then i was like okay where can i refuel this uh nowhere near me and that that's that's convenient yeah yeah when you're talking about electric cars it's like what living in the desert that's a great example you know when when you talk about making these decisions when you're living downtown la Mm -hmm. downtown san francisco that's your life you know i think that kind of circles back to like the beginning right when you're like think you're the only one struggling because you're you're stuck in your little, little bubble right and it's like man you got to think about everywhere in the united montana utah Doesn't... what are they like you're gonna mandate this stuff and not allow these ranchers to go buy a brand new truck right there's, I mean, a, th- there's a lot of world that isn't city right and you think about ranchers like oh they got an old chevy ford truck they'll be fine like no i mean they they need new vehicles too I got a lot of ranchers with new trucks that pull a lot of weight, you they, know, that they the weight need, ratings big, they you got know? 150 plus extended range fuel tank. Cause there's not a gas station for six, 700 miles in Montana or something like, and yeah. they're making these thousand mile treks back and forth nonstop. So. Right. Well, and they got livestock on board. Yeah. They can't, aff- I mean, it's just, they can't afford to have a breakdown. Yeah. So or even though they love their old truck, hours. it's like, no, I need something, I need something brand new. So they don't have to worry about it. So even if they got an old wrecker that they can drive around, they're still not going to put all their livestock in the back no. and risk a breakdown because the truck's 15 years old or, right. you know, but same with the EV, like we've all seen the charging or the, the, the capability when they start towing stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like the range isn't there. The range drops to half. I mean, you've been driving around and, uh, the Wrangler you got. Yeah. And hybrid. See, and, and you see what happens when you go full electric. Yeah. It's, I can tell you when I put a, 1200 pound trailer on it that electric lasted about eight miles and (laughs) impressive i i'm down so factory range started at like 25 which was excellent on the 33s yeah that's that's solid yeah um for a brick that moves down the road uh and then i moved to 38s and it's down to like 15 to 20 depending on temperature uh and then you put any weight in it and it's like gone. And I, I mean, that's like it is with any electric cars. You start putting work against it. And I mean, the Ford Lightning's down to like a hundred miles Yeah, out of almost 300 when it starts towing a, I think it was like a 6,000 pound trailer they did a test on. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And that's a, not a good reaction. Well, we've all seen the trips they're trying to take across the States with, you know, trying to recharge and waiting 45 minutes to an hour. It's the infrastructure. That's the that's the issue right now. It's not the the technology in the vehicle. That's there. It's got the same range as a gas car for the most part, you know, on a lot of these. But the convenience of refueling is the the issue. Right. I mean, anytime you want to take a road trip, and that's what I mean, everyone's doing right now. Yeah. Everyone's <laughs> everyone's going that's why we're all busy is because yeah. everyone wants to go take their family on vacation because it's summertime, and I just think there's a time and a place. I'm not, have you been to SEMA? Yeah. And you've seen the, the Tesla loop that's, not under, that's underground? So I know there's like some people out there that don't like it, but I think that's rad. And it's like such a cool direction that those vehicles could go 
So they had like North Hall, South uh-huh. Hall, West Hall. So they had the Tesla Loop stations where you'd go out front and they would take you underground and they had the tunnels built underground. Those are the boring tunnels, right? Yeah, yeah. Under, yeah, exactly, underneath the convention center. Yep. And they just had Teslas running all day long. I've seen free, I've seen the videos of it. Yeah, free it's rides awesome. from, from left to right, back and forth. It's like, that makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. It's like, that should be like the direction like Uber's in or Lyft's in. You know, like instead of having public transit be a bus that's like, you know, running every 20 minutes and you got to get on this bus with a bunch of people and and it's polluting and it's diesel. Like, why don't you just replace those with Teslas and just have a Tesla every like eight That's minutes? That's what Elon said. He's, he said he's going to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's just like that makes the most sense. Like He's just, people are paying him to collect data right now. People yeah. are buying his data collectors. Right. Doing all the R&D for the fully autonomous car. Well, he's, tra- he's trying to push this stage five autonomy that's like, you know... Human factor. It can't, you can't equate for what a th- million other people are going to do. Exactly. That's exactly the point I was going to bring up was like the, um, they have a thing about that, like the McDonald's stop or something like that. But it's like the, the thing with you're driving down the road and you see a bunch of kids playing soccer on a field and you know there is a chance that this ball is going to take off and you're going to have to like uh, swerve to avoid. Right. That's You can't teach that to AI. That's like that situation cannot be broken down to artificial intelligence. You can't like, it can't see that. It just sees things moving. It has no idea that there's a possibility these kids playing soccer are going to kick it over the goalposts into the street and you're going to have to stop. And maybe this kid's going to run out and try to get the ball. So you can see that and you can anticipate it, but the car never is going to. Too many calculations. Too many calculations. And, and but I think we're you're, close. You're already slowing down. I don't know. That's That's like... <laughs> And then the same thing with like having a tumbleweed go across the 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 road versus a kid going to pick up a ball, yeah. right? And it's like the whole like swerve. How do you like choosing you, between two people? That what do you do if there's well, two people in the road? Yeah, well, and then you t- you take out the tumbleweed, right? Yeah, like you you just demolish that thing, and you don't stop the vehicle in the middle of the road and have everybody you know run into you or cause a bigger right. accident or swerve around it and swerve into like so the car swerved to avoid this tumbleweed so and, and it went on to the sidewalk and took out fifteen people like what <laughs> you can't it will never be able to or a bag or yeah exactly like you never know what the obstruction is going to be yeah. and all it sees is just an inanimate object like moving so i don't know and what was it what was that damn mcdonald's thing where it was something about the drive-thru you got a bunch of cars piled up and you got one car that's like pulled in right but it's not in off the sidewalk yet it's still halfway in the street uh-huh. And you know you can just slow down and go around it because you know what they're doing. They're trying right. to get in line, but if with for the AI has no idea, it's just going to stop the car because there's something in the street, you know. Or it might just keep driving. You see the reverse lights on. You it doesn't see the reverse right. lights. So unless these cars all become one and it can put the reverse lights out, send a signal to your vehicle, like they all know what each other's doing. Right. Right. That's but the that's so far in the future. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Like I don't even know if that's going to. In our lifetime, even have like yeah. <laughs> in the next forty years, fifty years, I don't think we're gonna see that. Yeah, you're it. It's gonna be. It's just the amount of cars you'd have to have out there, all doing the same thing, all talking to each other, is generations. I mean, and then what happens when Grandpa Joe comes out with his nineteen fifty six, you know, Ford? Yeah, what are you gonna from, outlaw these old trucks? Yeah, these old like, cars. So at how at. People just need to drive. Like, why does it need to be replaced? Like, driving has gotten so easy. Yeah. I mean, with adaptive yeah. cruise control, like, I've got it in my wife's Kia, and it's so nice. I mean, yeah. all you have to do is keep your hands on the wheel and look ahead. Yeah. 
God forbid, like that's and just leave it there for the next decade or so. Right? Like, why do we have to like? What what was that? Not even eight years ago. Like now we're here. Like why do we got to push this so fast? Why are we pushing this envelope? I don't get it. You know, like why do we have to be so distracted? I mean, what it, it's well, just for the driver, but for like the manufacturers, like why can't you just leave it at adaptive and like perfect this? Yeah, and the and safety and the, and get into the driving <laughs> and and you know actually start perfecting the car or yeah, I don't uh, there's just, I don't see the point of a fully autonomous driving like on a on a national scale yeah who, you know? does, who doesn't like driving right you know what i mean well, i mean there's kids out there that just the adaptive don't like driving it. that we have is good enough good enough it's good so enough. you take a little break take a little breather you get back in you don't it, have you know? to focus a thousand percent you yeah. can relax but you don't need to just go to sleep like no you don't need to go to sleep that's but what they, they have a train you can take for. a little you can take a little breather you know take the train Take the train. Do you want to sleep while you go from one side <laughs> of the country? We have trains. We have we've we mastered that a long time and ago. And airplanes, man. Airplanes are so safe. Also great. It's like, you know. Or you could pay know. a guy to drive you around. Imagine that. You know, the other the other side of it too is is not just like the people driving the cars and like dealing with that, but it's like the insurance companies, the registration costs. Like, where is all this gonna like land? You know? You got airbags and the event of the seatbelt, even mm-hmm. Insurance companies change the way they insure vehicles depending on what year your vehicle was because you had certain safety equipment. Um, I mean, it, it, it's it's a law or it's 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 in the books that if you tamper with the TPMS system on a vehicle and it, it's involved in a collision, they can come back to you as a repair shop that you've disabled a safety feature on the vehicle. You yeah. rotate the tires, you don't reprogram them. That's on you. And it's like, that's just the tire pressure. What's going to happen with, the, with this ADAS? What right. happens when you remove headlights and you don't get it recalibrated oh, because yeah. they just didn't, oh, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to blame, you can't play ignorance. There's you a know? lot of, yeah. And the same, I mean, replacing a windshield. Like, if you don't recalibrate it, of course, we know that oh, one. Yeah. But there's so many different components now in vehicles that have the LIDAR and the, and the, and the lasers and all this stuff for the calibration. Uh, you bump the mirror and it's out of calibration, you know? One of your technicians pulls it in and bumps the mirror, scratches a little bit. He decides not to say anything because he don't want to get in trouble. But the car leaves, gets yep. into an accident, and they come to find out, hey, this this mirror was out of calibration, and it's going to document it. And it's going to know on what day, it knows, <laughs> it knows, <laughs> at yeah, what and time the fault it showed up. Yeah, exactly. And that's the other thing too is like it, it doesn't. A lot of time, it won't even cause a fault. You know, like yep. if you if you misalign this stuff, it ain't setting a trouble code for it. It just now thinks this is where we're going. You know, if you're uh, if yeah. you're three degrees one direction or another, it's just like where it's just off center. Th- that's the direction we're going. There is no feedback sensors for it for the most part. You uh-huh. know, so it's all about it's all about the technician's discretion to make sure that stuff's still aligned and and pointing the direction it needs to go. You know, if you're three degrees to the right and it sees a trash can on the side of the road and it stops the car, the guy back behind you runs into you. I have mine go who's, off who's all pointing the, time. the finger at who? You know, mine goes off all the time. The frontal collision warning system. Yeah. Like it, it, it thinks something's going to happen. It's kind of good. I mean, there's some times where I'm like, you know, looking somewhere else and it's like, Hey, <laughs> look, I guess, <laughs> look forward. Maybe, maybe that's driver error. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and then, but other times we're like, you're just driving down the road and the sun hits it and it's like, break, break, break. And like, oh, cancels my cruise control. And like, then my car's just breaking on its own down the highway. That's interesting. So, it, yes, it saved me, but also it's almost got me rear-ended. Yeah. Because, yeah, I've, that, and that's, I've seen that happen on multiple brands where, like, you're just driving down the road and the sun's setting right into your frontal collision sensor and it wigs out the whole system. Wow. 
That's interesting. I BMW, that Fords, my Jeep. Wow. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's another problem too. I guess I was getting at too with the insurance is like, if you buy these cars and you have this collision avoidance system, they're basing their insurance on- They're giving you a reduction, yeah. Yeah, but what if it's disabled? Like, where, where's, the checks, where's the checks and balances on yeah. it? And you don't think that's right around the corner? You don't think the insurance companies are have that same? Th- I'm definitely not the first one to think about it. <laughs> yeah, somebody's thinking about if it. If I'm if I'm an insurance company and I'm definitely like I'm giving these guys a rate. Now this car's been on the road for five, six, seven, eight years. Right. Um, wait a second here. Who's checking to make sure this stuff's still? I think working? that's what well, essentially smog should. Right. That's a that no. They, it, it doesn't. I mean, you're not going to get it a, a visual light inspection. No, you're stuff, not, no? no, you're not going to get a mouth. I mean, the only thing with the smog is the, is is the malfunction indicator light. So it's, if you don't have any trouble codes, right. I mean, I'm sure that some of them will set a trouble code for one thing or another. But a lot of that avoidance stuff has nothing to do with emissions. True. You know, unless it's emissions related. I mean, yeah. Even though it sets a code for the freaking front dampener on so the Chevy Cruise is getting stuck. Like really, yeah. the the freaking whatever that flapper is up in the front bumper on the chevy cruises like that sets a code for the emission system <laughs> give me a break man well, like what if they're out of alignment like the sensors just, no just the the car just the the caster or the camber or oh whatever. right right yeah. yeah and so then it's pulling off and then you know then everything else is, everything's off yeah 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 the, the, so who's the, checking that right the thrust angle of the rear yeah exactly caster camber front like all that stuff that's all going to change exactly yeah the, the, the alignment of the sensors so the way the car reacts and you're gonna say your car doesn't pass small because the alignment's not on even though it freaking should because you're like dragging a tire down the highway right. but <laughs> i mean that if anything is definitely affecting emissions i would 100%. say 100 <laughs> tires maybe not the emissions but the fuel consumption to say the least but uh, yeah, the tires and the, the wear on the tires, but I mean, yeah, there's there's no checks and balance of that stuff, you know. And if if you don't think that's right around the corner, it, I mean, someone's yeah. missing the ball on that one. I think we uh, they uh, they started looking to it at our cars too much. We just need to go back to simple. Just, just it's just a car. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. Don't about, worry. Let me about do it. my thing. Yeah. Let everybody run into each other, man. Yeah. What are you so worried about me getting hurt for anyway? Like, like wearing a helmet. Make, like, what make do you seatbelts about- a choice. Yeah, like, what do you worry about me for? Use it if you want. Use it if you need it or you want. But, you know, that's the whole pull behind the insurance companies. They mandate it so that the insurance companies, that was part of the deal. Mm -hmm. They don't have to pay out so much if someone gets hurt in an accident. They don't You get a reduced rate. You think think anybody cares about your well-being other than your mom and your dad, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's all all, uh, profit margin. Yeah. It's all for the calculations. you know? And it's like, same with airbags, you know? That's why, so if your airbag light's on, you know, that you still pass emissions, you right? Which they can't seem to get right. What is this? How many times have they recalled all of the all airbags? All the Takatas, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> it's it's all of them. Oh, they just did it again, too. Right. Yeah. yeah, right. Just constantly. Yeah. Like, if you have a 1995 Honda Accord, you have a... I'm like, what? And there, there's a... <laughs> Probably new... the only cars left on the road from the 1990s, yeah. but... <laughs> there is a... There's a new one that they're trying to... Uh, the the manufacturer of the airbags is like, nah, it's like, it's not a defect. Like it's just an airbag exploding. Like, yeah. yeah that's, and, and like, that's just what happens. Yeah. Cause they just can't prove crash. that the shrapnel, whatever shrapnel of some sorts. And so there's a whole battle going on between, and for another recall about airbags. And it's, I mean, at what point is this? I don't, the recalls are crazy. I mean, how many recalls, exist i it just blows me away oh, I'm sure there's a recall I'm sure you see some of them at the dealership well, right ford now. led the board last year with over 70 recalls seven over 70 in one year 
Yeah, I can see that. Uh, one of the weird ones that we've had uh, at Dodge is, um, or Ram, sorry, you know, Dodge Ram, it's a different now. Ram, yeah. Ram, uh, is for a tailgate latch being out of alignment, like whole recall for it. Check the tailgate because it could accidentally like open by itself. Isn't that just like, we're just down to like machine error. Like yeah, just no quality, no double, quality control. Right, like just throw it together and we'll, we'll issue something. They'll figure it out later down the road. Right. Or and then they issue the recalls that they don't even have the fix for. And then they Yeah, send, like the eco diesels. Yeah, oh gosh. Send, and then they send a reminder to the customer every, you know, 30 days uh, telling them, hey, hey, you have this recall where your your car may just die while you're driving it and you could get in a crash and die but we can't fix it yet. And they remind this customer every 30 days <laughs> that they could die. Just so you know, we're still thinking about you. Yeah, but we can't fix it. So call your local dealer, yell at them, and <laughs> yeah. because they should talk have- to, Talk to Tyler and let they him know They should have the parts. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then we have to you know, explain, I, I understand you got another notice. I'm sorry, but I can't do anything about it. There's nothing. There's and, the, and that just extends their legality that way. If anything happens, they're like, well, we told them. Yeah. We told them this month, actually. And so. then they go, well, what do I do if it blows up? I said, you should probably call the 1-800 number on the notice. Like, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's all I got. For like, Step one, get out of the vehicle. Yes. Call 911. Yeah. Step two. Yeah, that's another big one, too, is, is, is the amount of information that we're required to give that you would think it would be common sense. Right. You know what all I mean? All of it, like no more is an owner's manual telling you how to do anything mechanically. It's just telling no. you all the things that can and will kill you. Right. <laughs> it's funny. Right? I, I, and I also laugh at how different brands like do owner's manuals. For instance, BMW. <laughs> Page 57, take it to the dealership. Page 85, take it to the dealership. Like literally every line is just see the dealership. Like don't look at it. They're, they've done gone so far. They don't even have a dipstick anymore. Everybody knows this. Right. There's no BMW dipstick because they don't want you to do anything. Right. The opposite end of the spectrum, you have Jeep, who gives you a toolkit and a pictogram on how to take your Jeep apart and put it back together like with it. four tools. And you, the complete opposite ends. Jeep says, yep, here's the two. It gave and give you the tools and not even words on how to do it. Because even if you can't read, you can figure out how to take a Jeep, it's like an Ikea, Jeep apart. It's like an Ikea manual. Yes. <laughs> and then, so that's, I find it hilarious because one wants you to do it all. One doesn't want you to even look at it. They just want you to bring it in. Right. Bring it in. Let us deal with it. Let us deal with it. Well, you know, and it's, it's tough to wrap your mind around with the thought process behind that because I see that as smart business on both sides, really. Yeah. I mean, they know their clientele. They know their clients. Exactly. G people want to wrench on their stuff. Yeah. Most BMW customers don't want to check their oil. I mean, but on, yeah, both sides, it's smart. It's like the whole thing with uh, Ferrari. Like they don't have commercials on the TV, right? No. Because they're target, or is it Lamborghini? I, I think it might, it might be, be both. Ferrari. It might be both, really. Right. I mean, they both. I've never seen a Ferrari commercial. probably started. I've the, never seen a commercial for either one of the TVs, like because their targeted market isn't watching no. TV, you know. So it's like, yeah. Oh wow, that's a. Uh, it's in Gentleman's Magazine, something gut, I don't a, have a subscription it's a, to. It's a, yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a gut punch right there. Like, damn man, I like to watch TV every once once in right. a while, you know. Although Rolex, everybody wants to get a Rolex. Everybody needs a Rolex, yeah. And, and they advertise uh, everywhere, <laughs> everywhere, and everywhere. everywhere the time. 
But with the BMW, I think that's smart too because it, it allows them to collect a lot. Like with Elon, and I think Elon maybe took a page from that, right? With the yep. Teslas, he wanted everything going back to him. Uh-huh. The only way he's going to know what's happening in his factories is if everything goes back to him to yep. quality control after the fact. No aftermarket support. Yeah. And we all kind of hated that and thought that was kind of, you know, bullshit, but it's pretty smart business if you really think about it. I mean, if, if I'm doing it and I put myself in his shoes, which I don't know if I could wrap my mind or even around, around that, but um, if, if I decided to design and build a car, I'm definitely wanting it back here if something happens. And I think of it like every time I do a repair and I'm not involved in the process, mm-hmm. say it comes into the shop, Leon takes it, the guys do the work on it, I I see the car come in and out. I just see a flash of light and the car is gone and off and away. But if something happened in that process, like I want it to come back to me. And unfortunately, a lot of the time, some people just, if something doesn't go right, they'll just go somewhere else. Yep. And you never know what went wrong or why or what. So I can appreciate some people coming back in, whether they're frustrated or not about it, because at least I'm getting that feedback. And I yep. know like the next time around, this is what we need to do to make it better. I don't think people- you know what I mean? understand how valuable it is on both sides to have consistent service at the same facility right it helps in so many ways not only do they know the condition of your car they know what's what's changing they know what the service history is they know what has been serviced what hasn't been serviced it helps everyone involved when you jump into the middle of something you don't know what, are you fixing something that was an old problem? Is it a new problem? Is it a wiring problem? Yeah. And and you, you restart and you end up probably paying double for a lot of stuff. Right. And the reference of like if somebody else repaired it, they weren't happy and they just took it somewhere else. Right? Yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, and a lot of times the problem can be solved pretty quickly and easily. Just cool. going back to the person you started yep. with. Why, yeah. Like, why are you here? <laughs> like, what what did they do? Oh, I just I just feel bad saying something like, be an adult. No, yeah. I'm sure they're going to be fine about it. Not, I, I get nobody's going to yell at you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we just had this repair done somewhere and and I'm like, "Okay, yeah, I'm happy to help, but uh have you have you talked to them about it?" And they're like, "No." And I'm like, "Okay, well, just so you know, you know, we got to start from from scratch." So if you don't, I am, cuz that's what we do. Yeah. If we get that same story, it's like, "Well, if you're not going to talk to them, we need to know where it came from cuz we're going to make that call and right. have that conversation with them and like figure out what's going on because some people have uh, what's the right word for this here? <laughs> the politically correct term for this. They're uh, they have two sides, right? Yeah. They come in real nice and pleasant, and then all of a sudden they turn into a different animal uh-huh. an hour later. And so it's like I'm going to call just so for one I can get the service information I need, and for two to figure out what really went down here, right? <laughs> and why yeah, you why of... you're not going back there? Because if if I hear something I don't want to hear, like ah, uh, it's not worth my time. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, it's do. like when the guy comes in with a check engine light and no idea what's going on, and then you uncover all the body damage and the splice in this wire to this. You know, the stories help. We yeah, the yeah. complete picture makes right. everything go a lot faster. Right. And then also making sure that the that this is going to be a, a standing relationship. This is not just someone like going shop to shop getting free work. Yep. You call the last place they went. Oh man, you know what? I just gave him his money because he just turned into such a like. What would you do? And he's and it ends up being a bunch of work that had nothing to do with the reason why he's at your shop right now. Oh, I see what's yeah. going on here. <laughs> yeah, I see what he's doing here. I'm not dealing with that. So yeah, that's part of the reason we like to make that phone call. But and a lot of them get kind of like scared. They're like, oh, I don't know if you want to call them. Why? Yeah. 
It saves everybody time. <laughs> saves and and it lets and it also lets them know like what's happening because yeah. I'd want that. Like if someone left my place and was like not happy with what happened, they didn't say anything to me. They just went to another place. Is like, how am I supposed to like make myself yeah. better and if you don't for give the next me any? Time. Yeah, how do you give me any feedback? Like, what do we do wrong? Yeah, Elon you know? figured that out a long time ago. He's like, just keep it coming back. I want all the data. All of it. Yeah. All of it. All of it. it good or bad. Yep. You know, up or down. It's like, that's what you got to do. I mean, and it's improved a lot. I mean, if you look at how it is, I don't know if there's a better, better model for it in the car industry. I mean, if you look at how simple it is, I mean, everybody can uh, gripe over the quality control and, and that, but in terms of a scalable model of a car business, he did it right. I mean, and from the ground yeah. up and I, I really, as somebody in the dealership industry i i can definitely appreciate his uh showrooms if you will because it's it's very low pressure it's the everybody gets the same thing the model's great you don't have to negotiate you just get what you want yeah that's it just pick the color pick the option well and it it, it was like a not only a new vehicle or new manufacturing process but it was like a completely new everything yeah i mean it's it's an electric car yeah no it's like there was no like game plan he couldn't take like you know back in the with the big three was coming up right and it's like everyone's was competing with one another but in reality they were just stealing their top guys right yeah I mean, it's like dodge brothers got pushed around and um you know worked for gm worked for the other one and the other was like everyone was just kind of like cycling these people around you know kind of like how all the rock bands of the 80s worked yeah. too right like all well, the I mean, lead look singers at, uh, drummers and guitarists just kind of mixed it around with each band you know yep. like and everyone just kind of got better in the industry because it was like the same like group of people just kind of Sk- rotating yeah. through and that's kind of what happened with the big three with car manufacturing yeah they're just stealing everybody's ideas but he went off and did his it's own draft thing. football yeah you a good way to put it i mean too. look at kia they just got the guy from bmw and turned the brand right side up i mean yeah that's true in not very long i mean it went from i mean in my opinion, the Kia in the nineties and two thousands was nothing to, to, yeah. to reach for. It was like uh, a, it was like a day woo. Yeah. I mean, it was just, there was, they <laughs> remember, were, remember the day woo. Yeah. They were there. They were affordable and, uh, affordable and affordable. <laughs> uh, but I, na- I don't know if they were, I mean, they were, let's just say they were cheap. Yeah. That was it. They were yeah. not affordable because day two, you already had it back in the shop. <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, Kia had the, on the n- newer mid-century uh, Kias, the, you know, the 100,000-mile warranty. But even then... Uh, yeah, they, they were using every bit of that. In the recent history, they changed the branding. They changed the design. Uh, they added a lot of cues from BMW because they took the guy from BMW and yep. hired him. And it, it's, it's pretty hard to tell the difference if uh, they're driving by fast enough. Yeah, I mean, and <laughs> I think they did a great job. Honestly, as somebody who's worked for BMW and who purchased a Kia because I saw the most benefit from it. Right. It was like, it was hard to, to go any other directions. I mean, looking at Toyota and Honda, uh, and even Ford, um, in the small SUV segment, Kia was best in class economy, best price and best features from, from a Kia. And I mean, this is 2023 and i mean look at genesis what they're doing with the new gv80 oh yeah i mean there's a lot of companies that are coming out that were not really great in the early 2000s that have totally turned it over and now look like nothing else right yeah i got nothing i mean negative say about the kias now even the hyundais i mean yeah we have a hyundai hasn't let us down no i mean 
Uh, the window regulator, and that was a pain in the ass. Uh, what rego- I mean, the, window? What window regulator doesn't go out? Yeah, that's true. But this one was a was extraordinarily difficult to find a, a new one. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, we had to get off like Rock Auto or something, which that's I where I get all my Suzuki parts. My '98 <laughs> Suzuki parts. <laughs> I don't know that whole like. Yeah, it worked. I just, yeah, the whole Rock Auto thing. I don't know. I get enough of that stuff coming in where they're like, "Oh, I can get this. Look at this part." part. I'm like, "Yeah." And then, oh, where's add that the part forty dollars shipping. Yeah, and then like that's where yeah. Rock Auto gets you. It's like I, yeah. I, and then it's like it's never fast shipping. It always charges, and it's like pick your price. Do you want to pay twelve, fifteen, or eighty five dollars for shipping? Yeah. on this o-ring like yeah uh so I, I get it yeah their prices are good if you just look at the price but at the end of the day like i've looked at amazon for that part number and then i've looked at rock auto and it comes out about the same yeah uh, and but also you you don't know what you're kind of getting half the time yeah that's the problem for sure but uh, you know one thing with amazon with parts is a lot of it uh they're merging in and i'll mm-hmm. order parts transmission parts in particular and I'll order them, get the price from my normal supplier. And the box that I get from Amazon is from my normal supplier, like $10 cheaper, $15 cheaper, yeah. $20 cheaper. Like, what the? Same name on it, same bill, like yeah. the invoice, everything's the same. It's just through Amazon. Wow. Okay. I did I did this. At, I noticed that actually when I worked at BMW because... I got an employee price on something that I wanted to get a, a BMW lifestyle item. And uh, I, my parts manager, and I'm like, what? Why, why are you ripping me off? Like, And he's like, what, wholesale's this? And he's like, you paid 10% over that. And I'm like, dude, I can get this on Amazon for like $100 less than what you just told me. And it's from the BMW store yeah. on Amazon. Yeah, same box. From the brand. Right. Somehow, either BMW the brand has a deal with Amazon somehow, or there's some wholesaler that's buying it. I, I really don't understand, but there are parts stores that somehow have these connections with Amazon and they're selling right. them dirt cheap. Right. I mean, it's crazy. I don't get yep. it. Yep. It's worth taking the time to look at that because put the part number in, put the part number in and just put it in. Like, Holy moly. Like, all right, whatever. And free shipping half the time. Usually free shipping yeah. and easy returns. That's the other thing too about parts is like, Oh yeah. Can you return it? Drop it off at UPS. Yeah. Amazon, perfect, easy. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing about having a good relationship with parts, you know? Yeah. Dealerships are really tough. I mean, for the most part around here locally, we have a pretty good a relationship to be able to return parts. Sometimes you order stuff because you're trying to get ahead of the game. Yep. Then they don't show up. Yep. Or, as we all know, the conversation on the phone is not really what's wrong with the vehicle. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've had all of those things happen. So you, you got these parts here that you don't need anymore, and you're like, well, I got to send them back now. And yeah. if it's a pain to send it back, you're like, I'm not dealing with that place again. Usually, why dealerships will only pre order parts if you prepay for them yeah. or if the car's there. Right. That's when I order parts. I mean, most of the time, it's either do you pay ahead of time or is the car here? Yeah. Because I'm not, I mean, if it's an inexpensive part, sure. Otherwise, like, I need some collateral, if you will. Especially yeah. when there's hundreds of people going through there. I mean, we could end up stockpiling. And dealerships often do a list of parts for people who don't show up for oh, months, imagine, years, yeah. ever again. Yeah, that's interesting to think of it that way, too. And, uh, yeah, that's a fine line to ask for draws, ask for money before the vehicle's there. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's tough for an independent. I mean, depending how big, 
you end up getting. It's not big of a deal for us right now to even think about it. Yeah, it's for the for the most part we can get most of the parts we need the same day. Right. And you look it up and you say, oh, "Well, that's in stock, so we won't have a problem with it." Every once in a while, it's like, "Yeah, I should." And if it's something else and they don't show up, like, "Oh, we got it in stock now," but some of the stuff's like, "Well, I don't need that," you know, like. <laughs> yeah, there's certain uh, special order items you just don't like. I'm, I'm not going to use that again. You know, it's like 25 year old PT cruiser. PT I don't need cruiser. a whole transmission sitting here. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know that uh, the, the chances of another PT cruiser coming in and wanting a transmission at a dealership price are very slim. I need to confirm you really want this. Yeah, you want to do this or not? Uh, yeah, I, was, I thought you were going to say a PT cruiser coming in is slim, but it, I got one on the rotation that's convertible turbo. Oh yeah, and it. <laughs> He comes in pretty religiously. So. Oh, we we actually have a few, <laughs> and, it's, and it's purple, just so everyone gets the visual. Oh, nice. Yeah, we have a few PT cruisers, and we got a Woody in the shop right now. <laughs> one oh, of the nice. PT cruiser, Woody's. right on. That's the yeah. best one. That's it's, the best one. Yeah. It's got to be turbocharged though. Turbocharged convertible. It, it, not a convertible. It's just a, it's a hard top. I mean, and one thing with parts is like with transmissions, a lot of them will interchange. You know, yeah. so like the Nag One or the Seven Two Two Six. It's like Sprinter van. Chargers, uh, Mercedes, like it just goes across the board on a lot of them, right? And it's like the same with most of them. I mean, for a long time, everybody was using their own stuff, like the A340E for the Toyotas, the same as the Jeep Grand Cherokee in the 90s anyway. And Really? Yeah, it's the A340, so it's like yeah. the same one on the early ones. So there's a lot of transmissions that kind of go back and forth. Like it's Toyota and it's Jeep, and it's, um, yeah. So There's only so many distributors for transmissions. Down yeah, the line. so having some of those parts, like even though it was for that vehicle, it's like I can use it for other stuff. But that some of the sense. specialty stuff for the from the dealerships is like, yeah, I'm probably not going to, when it's VIN specific, which everything freaking is nowadays. Pretty much. You know, in the last 10 years, everything's kind of directed that way. Like a Tecum, right, for a GM 6L80 or 6L90, which is the valve body and the computer modules. Like, that's if you ordered... Sometimes they're blank, but sometimes they're VIN specific. Yep. So it's like that that can't go in anything else once you order. So in those situations, it's like, yeah, hey, I'm going to need, you know, a thousand bucks because yeah. I'm not sitting on this thing. Forever. I guess any modules really. Yeah. And now that I bring it up, it's like, yeah, we do before that we order that. We make sure we get money out of them before we get it here because yeah, you can't return that thing. That's your, yeah. So it, it varies. Yeah. But yeah. for the most part, like if it's a big or specialty item, it, we're not going to stock, we're not going to hold it in stock or, or something like that. Or if it's, you know, usually vehicles after, what is it, 20 years, they stop really stock, readily stocking stuff. I mean, aftermarket's a little bit easier, but yeah, dealership pipeline dries out after that, unless you're like Porsche or somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everyone went OE for so long and there was such a big, big push to like buy OE parts. Like a lot of shops would put themselves out there like, we only use OE, we only use OE. And it's it seems like pretty, I don't know, pretty recently, that's kind of dried up a little bit, and the aftermarket just can offer such a better warranty. Where Dorman is like really stepped yep. up, and Dorman was like, I mean, it was bottom of the line stuff for so long. Everybody looked down on Dorman. Anything that said Dorman is like, it was almost like embarrassing, you know? Like yeah. you take it out of the box and 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 put the part in as quick as you can, so no one saw you using a Dorman part. But they've come so far now, and with most shops getting a three year warranty on them, parts and labor, and you get the same part from say the OE, and they give you just a one year on the part, and you're like, I don't care like how great that part is, right? Because parts are gonna fail, and if the parts don't fail, the people are gonna break them, 
you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Sometimes people are just hard on stuff, you know, and they break it and th- they don't care what the quality is because they still, it's still broken. And so if it's got a three year warranty, it doesn't matter what happened to it. Like I mean, it, it gets replaced for free to them. Yeah. O'Reilly's got like a lifetime warranty on brake pads. Yeah. Uh, I mean, technically limited but yeah limited yes limited i mean lifetime. we only give out like two-year warranties at the dealership like that's pretty much your standard warranty is a two-year warranty yeah yeah and that's where like we can we come up with a three-year thirty-six thousand mile and we're nationwide warranty being if you can find another certified auto repair shop yep. in the country they will cover our repair yeah that happens here and anything breaks so and same with if you wear your if you put brakes on here at this this shop at our shop and you take off and go to montana or whatever and you wear your brakes out and you find another certified auto repair shop in that three year you get another set of brakes yeah real similar and and it's pretty well like no questions asked Mm -hmm. which is like how do you i mean doesn't matter how great i mean you acubono brakes or oe freaking you know chrysler brakes on it it's like it doesn't really matter i mean Dodge gets their brakes from Brembo half the time. Yeah. So. Yeah, Brembo's on. I mean, Acubono's on par with Brembo. I think Acubono's just but like. Do, so then, do you consider equivalent. consider like Brembo? Is that OE or aftermarket? Like. Yeah, that's that's a good question. So, like, at what point? Well, if, do it, you, came, if it came OE with the Brembos, then obviously they're in bed together. So it would be. It's like Allison, like an Allison transmission. Like Allison yeah. was aftermarket, but that's the OE transfer Duramax now. now. So it's like, well, Allison is get a little bit OE. of both. Yeah. So, but then, I mean, if you slap Brembo's on your Honda, are they, is it OE quality that's or a, is, that's, <laughs> well, an, that's, a, that's an OE, that's an OE upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> OE upgrade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And you definitely, if you have a Brembo caliper, you're not going to find aftermarket pads to go in there. Yeah. Like you're running. I guess my point is like a, a lot of the brands that are aftermarket, the quality is getting there. I mean, yeah. a, across a broader scale, as you have higher quality parts available from more places I see, and yeah. more people yeah. Yeah. than just the manufacturers. It used to be the manufacturers had all the money, they had all the machinery, they could make it the best. And now you have so much technology available to more people at a lesser cost yeah. that the industries are catching up and being able to produce sometimes superior parts to what OE can do. I mean- yeah. Charge like, pipes, like Luke, yeah. you know, turbos. I mean, you can name it. There's probably somebody aftermarket that has almost a better replacement than the OE. Yeah. But it's not a blanket statement either. No. Especially talking about Chrysler's because then you talk about crank sensors. <laughs> and you can't get a, you can't put a no. an aftermarket crankshaft sensor in a Dodge or yeah. a Ram or a Jeep or a Chrysler, right? There's quite a bit of those sensors where, yeah, why why are the sensors not quite there yet? A lot right. of the sensors are just, or thermostats or like something just, we have we were doing aftermarket thermostats in this thing and every aftermarket, we can't get the OE one, but every aftermarket thermostat is a problem. Every single one becomes right. a problem. It's a couple degrees hot. It's too cold. It's stuck already. Like, And I'm like, really? Like- <laughs> then you then you wonder like am I the only one dealing with this? Yeah. Like how are how are these things in stock right now? Right. And I'm I'm we're just getting the bad one every time or what's what's going on? Or is on? everybody getting bad ones? Or is everyone getting bad one? They just don't say anything, they just don't care. Yeah. I, I yeah. Char- keep charging the customer, oh you need another one. Well, let's put another one, put another one. Yeah. But that, I mean that's where it comes to the warranty too. It's like you used to ha- have this high expectation of this part that you took out of this box. You know, and it's like Eklund. Right from Napa is like that was like oh if it's got Eklund on it like that's the best of the best you know, 
and we'll talk like blue streak. Like mm. you don't use blue streak, you know, it's just garbage parts. But it's like anytime you had this box and it had say the Mopar stamp on it, it was like, that was like the best of the best you're putting on there. But at this day and age, it's like, well, what's the warranty on it? I mean, that's all anybody cares about anymore. Right. Like how long is it going to last? How long till you know? Nothing's meant to last. <laughs> Nothing's meant Nothing to last. Like, don't go there. <clears throat> but but then like talking about internal transmission parts is like you get billet internals, right? Everybody knows what billet internals are, hardened internals. Of course, that's way better than anything stock. Right. You know, but it also pushes that failure point somewhere else down the line that's going to, something else is going to break. Yes. You know, and, and that stuff's not warranted, but it's like, you know what you're getting, but also you're doing this because someone is extremely hard on their vehicle. <laughs> yeah. <I laughs> because mean, it's driven normally at normal parameters and normal settings, nothing's going to break. Right. Typically. Typically. Nothing, nothing's, you don't need these upgraded parts because yeah. you're driving it normally. And so that's where it is. Everyone's just so hard on these vehicles and they expect so much out of their vehicles that they need this warranty because they know they're going to break it. Yeah. And they're like, I don't care how good the quality is. They're going to find a way to break it. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you know that, right? Yeah. First I know this in so many different ways. <laughs> First I mean, I've, I've broken so many cars, right. so many axles. It's a, uh, but I, I also understand and I have expectations. And funny enough, like Jeep called me as a customer a couple of days ago. So for those who, of you people who don't know, I work for Jeep. I was a customer of Jeep before I worked for Jeep when I worked for BMW. Um, and they called me as a customer and go, hey, how's your Jeep treating you? Because my Jeep has reached like the critical threshold of being in the shop that they're like, hey, we need to give this guy special treatment. Uh, it's when I pulled my VIN today to, for some other service work, it says enhanced satisfaction customer, please contact Stellantis for any, you know, service needs. Like they want this guy in and out of the shop, like as fast as possible, give him a rental, like the top service. And so they call and, uh, they're like, hey, how's everything going with the Jeep? We just want to check in. And I'm like, oh, it's going great. Like, I love it, you know. And I, I didn't think of anything of it at the time. But then I'm like, oh, yeah, it's because my Jeep has like 117 registered days in the shop. <laughs> uh, which is 50-50. When, like, if you, for people who don't know, days down in the shop reflects of, you know, how many days a car was at the shop. Well, what dealerships like to do if they can't get parts is leave the R, the repair order open in, and give you back your car until the parts come in and then you come back. So it only shows one ticket. But in that 30 days that it took to get the part and my paperwork was open, I had the vehicle back for 28 of those. I dropped it off the first day. They checked it out. Then I picked it up, had it for 28 days. They got the part, dropped it back off, had it back the same day. Jeep as a brand thinks my car was at the shop for 30 days. Mm -hmm. I, but it was really only at the shop for two. So that's why they're thinking that something's really, really wrong with my Jeep. Because you're, you're skewing the numbers here, man. Out of you're the, skewing for all the hybrids out there. Yeah, out of the 500 days I've had the Jeep, 20% of the time it's been in the shop on paper. That's, but So much for the checks and balances. Yeah. You got yeah, this so, inside guy here just throwing the numbers off. Yeah, but <laughs> I love it. You know, so I, yeah. I, I they're also. Like, they're like, what? And I guess, I guess my point was. I'm really hard on my vehicles. Right, right, right. And things happen, and I understand that I'm going to lose time with it. I'm going to lose some money. I'm going to, something is going to get lost 
somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, you know, it's not a perfect world. Parts aren't available. I've had a couple times where it's, you know, I destroy my own vehicle because I love to use it for what it's designed, which is off-roading. And then I break something and then the part's not available and I got to drive a backup car for a week. Or, you know, these are things that I plan for because I know what to expect. I guess yeah. that, and I guess people just don't, they don't expect anything anymore. Like yeah. they just, it's just, it's just realistic yeah. expectations. Yeah. And a lot of people have unrealistic expectations, yes. you know, and it's like, you, you gotta, you gotta be realistic about it. Like, and I, so to me, I, I think it's been a great experience because they fixed it and I broke it most yeah. for the most part, right, you know, right, minus right. the king of the hammers experience. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> and it's been great because Jeep, pretty much stands behind their trail rated warranty. I mean, even when I was a customer and I took it to another dealership, they fixed it, you know, pretty much no questions asked. And I understand that's not the experience that every dealership, because some dealerships for whatever reason don't like warranty money. Um, but as a brand, I mean, I've, I've really liked Jeep. Uh, even with your modifications on it. Yeah. Because I mean that to an extent you have to, you know, understand what's going to happen with that. Like, um, if you totally modify your vehicle and then you want to like replace something that forcibly broke because you did something, they're probably not going to pick it up. I probably push the boundaries. I mean, if you look at Jeep's offered 37 inch tires from factory, right? I put 38s on it. So am I stretching the definition of, you know, what their stock vehicle is and breaking things? Yes. And they're still backing it up. Um, but also I didn't put like a six inch skyjacker lift on it with 42s with 42s and then go smash it and break it. So, and some things I paid for myself to fix, like, you know, when I messed up the bumper, I (laughs) went and replaced that because they're not going to cover things like that. So, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a good peace of mind when you buy a vehicle that's designed for something Yeah, and it breaks doing the thing it was designed for. And they're like, yeah, we'll take care of it. Yeah. That's how it's supposed to be, kind of, you know. It is, and it's not always like that. But I've, I've had a good experience on both sides of the fence, and I try to push that experience on my customers, you know, too. And if if it's a realistic break, then cool. If you just wanted to slam it into a brick wall and now your front end's cracked in half, like, okay, like this this just wasn't quite in the commercial. (laughs) You want to go neutral dropping it with forty fives on it, right? Like something you're gonna do something. Yeah, I mean, it's like with trucks. Like, trucks are designed to tow, and every Chevy out there with the six-speed is going to fail. Right. And it's like, GM's not doing anything about it. It sucks. Yeah. You know? I'm a Chevy guy. I like GMs. I don't like to see that. And it's the same with all the front-wheel drive ones, all the 6045, 6075, six-speeds, Acadias, Terrains, Equinoxes, just all just junk. Yep. Nothing but problems. No sort of extended warranty. Converters are just failing. They don't have an upgraded converter. I won't buy a GM converter put back yeah. in it. You know, so this, I mean that's a quite a few brands. Yeah, yeah, Nissan yeah. CVT. Yeah, that's quite true. a few of those that they just don't really cover. Yeah, same. With, I mean, there should be something with the CVTs, and I don't, I don't, I, I'm not going to rebuild those either. Like, right? It's just a design flaw. It's an engineering flaw that you can't fix. You're going to put it back together exactly the same way it was from the factory with all the same OE Nissan factory parts with no changes. And you're like, I think that's the definition of insanity. You know? Right. <laughs> you I had a friend who went through like you know? six transmissions, six Nissan CVTs yeah. within like 
less than 50,000 miles. Right. Yeah. Then there's, I mean, you go in there and rebuild them. And that's why I like to do the ones that I can rebuild and I can add something special to them and fix what the- Improve it. Yeah. And fix what they didn't can do Can you right. improve a CVT? I don't know. Can, no, is there, there, there's nothing is, you can Is there do. upgrades there? No. If there is, it's beyond me. I don't know everything, so maybe there's a guy out there that's figured something out. I don't know. I'd like to hear from that guy. I'd like to hear Find from him Find me too. on Instagram, Papa Smurf Wrangler, and message me if you <laughs> improve a CVT. You can, I want to know. And you let me know if that happens because yes. I don't think there is. Yeah, we'll become the, the West Coast CVT builders if that's oh the Oh, my thing. God. I, I, mean, I still probably won't. I we, don't know. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with those you things. You could be booked out. I mean, It's like the DCTs are the same thing. There's nothing you can do with the DC. I mean, it's like Ford's manual when the input shaft seal starts leaking is replace the input shaft seal, put it back together, and then hope for the best. Like, And then it's like if if it, if it experiences any of these ish symptoms and it's like clutch shatter, shifting between, advise the customer that's normal conditions. It's like what? <laughs> just talk them into being okay yeah. with it. Is that what you're telling me to do? Yeah. Oh my god, that's the TSB they released on it. Like, there, yeah, there's some definitely some questionable recommendations from manufacturers. Yeah, and the, I mean, Luke makes an aftermarket clutch disc setup for it, but it's not any better than the Ford one. It's not like there's anything different about <laughs> it. it. Just, it's just an aftermarket alternative yeah, that's like a couple hundred dollars cheaper. It's like, well, that's kind of nice that it's a little cheaper. Yeah, you know what I mean. But uh, there's like nothing you can do to improve it. And that design's cool too. I like that. That's been around for a long time. Was you know in the in the race circuit. Yeah. You know it's a it's a standard gearbox with dual clutches that engage and disengage, so you don't have to worry about hydraulics. And it's just a ge- standard gearbox, which is stronger. So that's cool, but it's just not working out for the daily driver. But it comes back down to like, so is it a design flaw or are these people like just that hard on their on their equipment? I feel like people cared a little more about their vehicles decades ago. I feel like that was that was the vehicle uh, way, that way. was that was the vehicle you're gonna have for the rest of your life that your grandkids are gonna have yeah and and that's that's true because we get 60s 70s vehicles in here that are like immaculate right like is this thing restored like no we just took care of it holy moly like this is a nice car like this car is built well but was it built well or people would just like took care of it like this is my freedom this is my mode of transportation this is like what our family uses to go on vacation our family gets fed we have to keep this car nice and it's like nowadays this generation just gets in these things turns the key and just slams that go pedal down and it's like see ya yeah i'd probably attribute it to to two things one people had to work harder for things you know it was there wasn't a surplus of options of just say refrigerators like, okay. you know, there, there, you had to work hard for stuff. Stuff was kind of expensive back in the day. So you had to work hard for it. And two, back in the day, everything was meant to last longer. Yeah. Now we have such this disposable lifestyle and that trickles down to your car. I mean, Pl- when planned obsolescence. Yeah, yeah. When everything is meant to be tossed, I mean, your computer, like literally everything in your life that you probably have is meant to be replaced in the next two to five years. Everything. Yeah. And when you just think about that, how are you going to try why, to teach why, some, why take care of it? Yeah. Why take care of it? Why? Why? Care of it? why? I'm just going to replace it in a couple of years. Like yeah. my furniture, my couch, my everything is going to be replaced in five to 10 years for the most part, you know, depending for most people. Yeah. You know, you, once you get to a, a certain point and you want to spend, you know, $25,000 on your fridge 
And then that can last you a lifetime. I forgot it, you know, whatever brand that is. Yeah, Sub-Zero, you, can, you know, you yeah, want to spend 25000 on a fridge. Right. It'll last a lifetime. But it, for every all of us better, other yeah. people out there, uh, <laughs> we're going to spend, you know, two grand on a fi- fridge and it's going to be replaced in the next five years. Right. Well, I think I think we're kind of like the last of the generation that even sees that divide. Yeah. And I, I, I can't speak for anybody younger than us, the generation that's yeah. going to... to come behind us but i feel like we are the last ones that see the two the divide we see we see that care that was given to these to everything vehicles whatever whatever you bought your refrigerator you actually clean the coils out of the back of it you cleaned it out like you took care of your stuff like you you serviced everything in your home because it was going to be there forever but we also see this planned obsolescence where you like you said you're going to buy an lg refrigerator and pretty much guarantee in five years it's going to stop going cold and you're going to call the service tech out nine times and he's not going to fix it. So you're just going to buy a new one. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I, I was actually reading through my wife's Kia's owner's manual to check the service, uh, service uh, schedule for a couple different things. And I came across this section that absolutely blew my mind because I wonder how many people read it and how many people do it. And I know I don't do it anymore to an extent, but it says at every fill up, when you fill up your gas tank, check the lights, check the tire pressure, check the brakes, check the oil. Like, you know, it's like, it gives you like 10 things to check. Like the normal checklist of all your, your fluids, your, you know, lights, your tire pressure, check your spare tire. Um, and I'm like, that, that's actually an owner's manual. I I can't remember the last time I read that, but you know, I, I do it to a minimal extent. I look at my tire pressure. I look at my gauges. I know I'm good. I've got oil level sensing, all these things, you know, right. these nannies that I have, I can rely to know that I have most of the stuff. But the point is people don't look at their car ever. Well, like, they don't <laughs> until it tells them there's something wrong. Oh uh, yeah. There should be a light that comes on for that. <laughs> or the place I take it to will take care of it. Yeah. And I think that's another problem with with the way the industry is headed is 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 that is that they don't realize that this is your vehicle. Right. You own it. It's your responsibility to keep this stuff. Yeah. My dad taught punchy. me to go every morning before school when I got my first car, walk around it, check the tire pressure, you know, look at the oil, pop the hood, make sure everything's okay. Plan for 10 minutes before you got to leave somewhere to look at your vehicle. Yeah. And just make sure everything's okay with it. Because right. that's going to save you an accident down the line. That's going to save you somewhere down the road. Right. To know that you're okay. And I mean, that's because I had a 73 Ranchero. It didn't have TPMS. It didn't have an oil level sensor. Right, but it doesn't you even could, matter. These are all sensors that can fail too. Like, yes. And we've become way too, I mean, we're just like, like relying, you said, on reliant on waiting for these lights to come on, these buzzers and yeah. bells and whistles. And, and if there's an issue, it'll tell me. Yeah. Or somebody else will tell me. Like Sometimes like, you can spot a nail before you have a flat tire. Yeah, that's true too. And not be stuck somewhere. Right. Yeah, I mean, just trying to be proactive instead yeah. of reactive is the big thing behind it. Or knowing you have a bald tire. You know how many people yeah. come in the shop and I go, hey, you're showing cord on your tires. Like, it's about to explode. Yeah, it's a may pop. Yeah, and they're, uh, <laughs> they a go. Will, it's a will pop. <laughs> they go, really? I thought I just got tires. Uh, you and, Sure. <laughs> and I'm like, well, there's two two problems with that. Either your alignment's really off or you didn't just get tires. <laughs> 
And or or maybe somebody in the middle of the night swapped your tires out for also these possible. bald ones. Also possible. So Either way. Keep an eye out on the neighborhood. The fact that you didn't know before you rolled in means you should probably look at your car. Pay attention. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of people don't even know how to air up their tires. I get I run into that quite often, which just blows my mind. I mean, it's just knowing how to save yourself. I don't know. I, I really don't. It, it doesn't it's comprehend so, it's, in it's my self-reliant mind. It's self-reliant stuff. And it really goes back to just not understanding that you own this piece of equipment yeah. like you own it and it's like the manufacturers are taking this and running with it because you have subscription fees coming out right right now right so it's like you buy a car with heated seats but you don't get them unless you keep your subscription and 80 to 90 percent of the population is going to be just fine with that so this just like their phone like like you own the phone but you're still paying for apps and, yeah. and like they've just become accustomed to it. it's like oh that makes sense like yeah yeah, the heated seats belong to them because it's not my car. Like it is your car, though you bought yeah. it. <laughs> so that uh, that is BMW's model. So they they thought uh, about the subscription based car services. What they came out with, um, a lot of people freaked out because that's how they they thought it was going to be required that you pay monthly for each one. What their idea was, every car would ship with every option, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't have to have all these different supply and demand issues with all these different things. Um, say you want all the options, right? Here's the price. The vehicle's $80,000. You get all the options. Check. They're activated. You don't play another thing. Write your check just like a normal, quote, quote, normal BMW customer would do. I'm joking a little bit. Um, on the other hand, say you want to lease a base three series with no options because you want the lowest monthly payment possible. Well, I can say sell you that same three series for $50,000 with no options. And now you have the minimum payment. Say in six months, you want to activate your heated seats. Say maybe you don't even want to activate it. You just want to try heated seats because you don't know if you like them. You can pay the $20 and try it for one month. And maybe you don't want it anymore after that. So you're done. Or you want to buy it permanently. The factory option was $9.95. At that time, you can pay the $9.95 to add your heated seats, and then you permanently own the heated seats. So the whole idea was to keep inventory flowing, and then if you want an option, you can get it. If you don't want it, you don't have to get it. That's just so interesting because it's like the part is in the vehicle. They've already invested the part into the vehicle. So it's like they already own the heated seats. Like it's, It's in there. Yeah. Like, just give it to them then. Like, what? <laughs> what if you don't want to pay for it? You don't want to pay for it, but the manufacturer's already spent the money to put the damn element in the seats. They've, right. They, the money's already invested into the vehicle, and now the person's driving away with, like, this component that has been, it's in the vehicle. <laughs> you know who did this already? Elon? Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, you already spent the money, just give it to the people. Like, No, he's going to charge you ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 for the rights to cruise control. Right. Right. Yeah. No, no. I, I may be off. I may be way off on those figures. I don't know what it is. Well, I think it's in the neighborhood of 75 or 10,000 yeah. for the, the full the, the self-driving. Bottom, the bottom line is there's going to be some sort of financial gain. Invest, yes. Even though the technology is already built into the vehicle. Because you're paying for software, just yeah. like you do with Microsoft. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm, I'm saying like there's like a tangible piece of equipment that's like, Already in the vehicle that they're like they you purchase the vehicle and you have this tangible item that's in yeah. there. The elements in the seats, the 
the the lidar sensors, the radar sensors, his freaking laser beam windshield wipers, yeah, whatever. Like it's already in there, and all he's doing is, I mean, so the base and Liam is the... flipping a switch to let them use it, but yeah, yeah it's like you're, it's already in the car it's though. In the car. Yeah, <laughs> I guess if I guess if, if we were to were to sell it, I guess if they they sold the vehicle to somebody else, and they're like, now I want that, I guess that's when he recoups his money. Hopefully, right. yeah. Hopefully, if Maybe. the car doesn't like burst into flames and burn, or they just, the road or I something. mean, or you just kind of uh, you factor that into overall cost. I mean, I, I think that's yeah. I mean, of course, like having options is the most expensive thing. Well, like it, if you own a restaurant, you don't want a hundred items on your right. on your menu. You if you make five one or six seat, seat, right, right, like one if seat. they just make one seat, right, instead of right now they make 10, 12 seats, right, like. That's a lot of different production lines right. for one seat. Yeah. You cut five different production lines out for one production line, you're saving a lot of money. Right. And put all the bells and whistles in there, but then just give it to the consumer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just maybe up the base price just a little bit, but now you've saved so much money like, and you're still up in the base price of the vehicle, and now these consumers are getting all the bells and whistles that they want, and everybody's happy. But instead, it's like, oh, let's just try to make more money, so we'll just turn this stuff off, and they got to pay for us to turn it back on. Like, oh, my God. like uh, it's a That doesn't weird, leave a bad taste in your mouth. I don't know what will. It's a weird gray zone caught between a luxury brand being trying to be bespoke and an economy brand trying to reach the masses. So it's both of yeah. those, because that's, I mean, that's where BMW is, you know, the luxury sports car segment. They're between the the Rolls Royce, the Bentley, the Ferrari, and the economy brands down at the bottom. You know, yeah. they're, they're right in the middle. So they're trying to find a way to be both. And that's how you get a subscription for your heated seats. Yeah. That's where that, that's how that comes together. Yeah. And then everyone else is like, I'm going to do that too. Yeah. What a great idea. But I, cause you look at when Tesla's doing it, they don't, uh, yeah, they're, it's there. Well, I think that originally they tried to get away with it because they didn't want radar. So originally their, their cruise control system was just camera based. So they didn't need a right. lot of equipment. So yeah. it doesn't matter if it's in your car or not because it's, you know, a hundred dollars worth of cameras, wholesale, whatever that they have to put in the car to make it work. Right. But now they had to move to, radar i think and uh that's probably why it's seventy five hundred dollars for your software yeah I mean, or just i mean whatever yeah whatever the technology is that is going into it pretty much name your price i thought it was a cool it's name, i mean who, who else i mean there's no comparison to it i mean what if you only paid for your heated seats in the winter <laughs> well let's see it's, we're, we're in june it was like 50 degrees this morning yeah. and raining so it's like there's another $12 this month for heated <laughs> seats. And then you got to justify the cost of like how cold, how many days this month is it going to be cold? Do I really want to really do it like, the whole month? Do we really need pe- these people thinking this stuff? What if it's a dollar like, a day? You know, like, yeah. Like, it's just like one more thing i got to think about, you know? Yeah. I just leave it off, you know? And they got all these cars with this. Now, now you're using resources for something that's not even going to be used. Because for me, it's like, you know, I'm not paying for it. And it's not even about the money. It's like, I just, I'm not paying for it. I'm not paying a freaking subscription for this. You know, like, yeah. I'm going to pull those seats out. I'll put aftermarket heated system with a freaking switch. You know, it'd be better anyway. And that is why <laughs> the huge backfire that happened and they didn't do it. I think they did it in one country. They tried it out in a country. Oh, they're, I mean, they're planning on rolling it out. I mean, subscription I based. So. I think they tried it and it wasn't going to work. It's definitely not getting a lot of positive feedback. <laughs> it's definitely not. Not a lot of people are like, I really like it. I mean, 
I like it in theory. I think it's a great theory. Like, but I in the practicality, like I just get all the options, so I don't it doesn't. I don't. Yeah, think and you want to use all the options, but if you're planning on having another vehicle, like if you lease a vehicle, yeah, I get it. That makes sense. If you're yeah. gonna lease a vehicle, have a lease vehicle with all the options. You want to lease it, and here's all your subscription stuff, right? Yeah. So then you can choose exactly what you want, like time of the year, you use six months, whatever. Like, well, I don't want to pay to have that, you know. Also, the prime BMW customer leasing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, that 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 would make sense, but it's like to roll it out to buy a vehicle, <laughs> to buy something, and then not be able to use all of it. That drives me crazy. Like I bought this because of all these things, and yes. now you're making me pay to use these things. I, it doesn't feel like it's mine. Like it's I don't feel like kind I kind of the it. story of the car. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I mean, it's you the story, buy it. it's the story of the iPhone. That's for sure. Yeah, I to mean, say the least. You buy the car. You got to pay registration. You got to pay taxes on it. You got to pay for your driver's license. I mean, you don't have to though. Yeah. <laughs> What you you can definitely get into, we get into the sovereign citizen yeah. uh, debate. I don't, I, those usually don't work out. I've watched those videos. They're great videos. I really appreciate You can definitely those. get into it, start the damn thing up, and drive it down the road without any of that stuff, you know? But I don't know. I mean, you can at least sit in your driveway with the heated seats on, you know, without yeah. any registration insurance or, or a driver's license. See, people do live in their cars for free now. I've, See? So, yeah. I mean, maybe that's a good way to get people to stop living in their cars. Like, yeah. you know, you got to pay for this stuff. It's like rent. I think they're you know, subletting like, RVs out in uh, LA now. Yeah, I can see that. It's 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 weird where it's going, to say the least. But <laughs> yeah, that's welcome to the world. It's, I don't know where it's going. It's going somewhere. I think we're eventually we just get. I'm waiting for the hovercrafts to come make a comeback. That's that's what I want. Hovercrafts yeah. were supposed to be cool. I think they they said that in the '60s, and we've been waiting all this time. And it's supposed to be flying cars by now. Yes, they 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 exist for millions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everybody's just, supposed to have one though. I'll just get a helicopter. Yeah. You know. They can't beat a helicopter <laughs> by flying cars. We'll we'll get there. Yeah. All right, man. Well, this has been entertaining. It has. To say the least. Yes. Maybe <laughs> before next we time. get into the sovereign citizen stuff. We can add in UFOs and sovereign citizens next time. Oh, that sounds like a plan. Yeah. <laughs> so the gearbox will call it the trash bin. <laughs> Just all the stuff that shouldn't be talked about. The round file. Yeah. Instead of the X-Files, you know. (laughs) Thanks for coming in, man. Absolutely.